Ahoy all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller and this is Locked on Mizzou. Your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk five days a week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want more great podcasts like this, go to LockedOnPodcasts.com. And speaking of which, well, joining me right now, and you know what? I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name, Mr. Zach, but Zach, I'm going to take a stab at it. Abel Verde? You got it all the way until the end. It's Abel Verde. Abel Verde. Okay, got it. Okay, for well, he's a he's the host of the Locked On Gators podcast, and he covers the Gators for the Lake City Reporter. And I'm very happy to invite Zach to join the show right now. How you doing, Zach? I'm I'm doing well, John. Appreciate you having me on. Always always great to do these crossover episodes uh, on the Locked On uh, Network, and obviously looking forward to this game on Saturday. Mizzou, as as we all know, has kind of had Florida's number here the last few years and and this is a really critical game for florida uh, i think obviously and critical for for missouri as well trying to end this losing streak you know that's interesting you started there you said that uh Flor- well mizzou has had florida's number since entering sec play mizzou four and three against the gators these past seven years what is the perception just among people in Gainesville area, Gator Nation, if you will, of Mizzou? Are you guys just, every year you lose to Mizzou, are you going, oh my God, we suck? Or are you going, hey, this Mizzou team, not too shabby, actually? I I think there's still Florida fans out there that are still mad that they're in the conference, to be honest with you, and only for the simple fact that they've been beating Florida. I think if Florida would have been taking care of business these last seven years, you might not have as many Florida fans with that sentiment. But at the end of the day, the Tigers have, have come in and just the way that they have matched up with Florida, you know, the last few years, and, and especially with Drew Locke at quarterback, uh, he, he just was able to pick apart Florida secondary in, in several contests that he had against the Gators. And I think some of it too is when the Gators have gone on the road against Missouri, it's, it's just been a tough place for them to play. They just, they, I don't know whether it's the cold, whether it's the early start, um, or just, you know, sometimes I think you get Mizzou at home and they play really well there. And then on the, you know, on the road when they host the Tigers, uh, I think that Mizzou has been able to come in and, and kind of get the Gators at the right time. I remember that, that first year that they beat them in the swamp. And I don't think that, that UF really took them seriously and, and thought that they were capable of coming into Ben Hill Griffin stadium and getting a win. And now we've seen it happen, you know, several times. And, and even last year, obviously coming off of Florida's loss to Georgia, they, they really spoiled their homecoming and, and gave the Gators kind of the low point of their season. So it, it's been, it's been kind of puzzling. Uh, but at the same time, every time, this this game happens, you know that Mizzou is going to be ready to play Florida. Well, I'll just say, on behalf of everybody in Mizzou Nation, the major- majority, I'll say, we're very happy to be in the SEC, whether Florida wants us there or not. But <laughs> <laughs> the Big I, well, 12, I, I not mean, so stable. I don't know if you've noticed. Sure, and, 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 I, and I think, obviously, uh, you know, Mizzou was a, was a huge addition um, for, for a lot of reasons, obviously. But I, I think that for them to come in and – and win the East right out of the gate the way that they did and, and beat some of the teams that they have in the East division. Uh, yeah, they, they've had their moments where they've, I think, frustrated the fan bases of a lot of teams in the SEC. How are you guys feeling about Dan Mullen and the state of the program here in season two? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously 
Uh, Florida had some high hopes going into the season. I, I think that when Felipe Franks got injured, anytime you lose your starting quarterback to a season-ending injury, you, you don't know where your season is going to go from there. Fortunately for Florida, Kyle Trask was able to step in as the backup and really take off. I mean, he's uh, been the story of the season for this team. He's set passing records at UF. He's hit some marks that quarterbacks for the Gators haven't done in, in over a decade. And, and, and even some marks that he's hit that no quarterback has done since Tim Tebow was playing QB for Florida. Last week he had 363 passing yards. That was the most by a Florida quarterback since Tim Tebow's finale in the Sugar Bowl at the end of the 2009 season. So he, he's kind of been, again, the story of the season. Once he kind of showed what he could do and, and improved, I think, to everyone that Florida had a real potent passing game, I think that there was some hope that Florida could still win the East and uh, weren't able to get it done, obviously, against Georgia. And they bounced back last week against Vanderbilt. But I, I think for the most part, you know, big picture, the fan base and I think people around the SEC have taken notice of the job that Dan Mullen has done turning this program around from where it was when he got it, which was a four win team, getting them to 10 wins last season and now a chance to, to match that and, and maybe even get to 11 in 2019. Man, four wins in 2017. I'd forgotten it had gotten that bad for the Gators. Yeah, That's, well, as somebody it, who it, grew it, up as a child of the 90s and saw the Spurrier teams in the top five every year, that's just hard to wrap my head around a little bit. Sure. And now, now, now where are things kind of at with Mizzou now and, and you know where the fan base is at with this season? Obviously, from the season opener and the loss to Wyoming, Mizzou just took off and went on the win streak, got in the top 25, and then you know they've had the losing streak here the last three weeks, and, and Kelly Bryant's been out. So kind of a mixed bag of results, I would think, so far this year. Well, honestly, mixed bag is one way of putting it. I think this last month would be – it'd be fair to just call it a total disaster. And I think, I think a lot of people, to say the least, are questioning whether or not Barry Odom should be back this year at this point. Now, obviously, we've still got – Florida to come, Tennessee to come, and a very, very reeling and bad Arkansas team that's already fired their coach. So clearly there is time to at least put a good finish on the season. But even if Missouri won out, this would still be considered a disappointment. It really would because a lot of people were thinking, hey, 9-10 wins, the schedule set up really well this season. Obviously nobody was expecting Missouri to go down to Athens and win. But to just see the the utter pathetic state of this offense right now, I mean, getting shut out when you're expected to be a good team, it's really inexcusable. And, and objectively, just when you've looked at, like, say, ESPN's S&P Plus, which used to be part of the Football Outsiders, you know, that banner. But these advanced stats have all said that Missouri was expected to be good, too. So, I mean, it's really hard to explain. The The honest truth is the defense has been fine, despite the fact they've lost Cale Garrett, probably their most important player at middle linebacker. But the offense has just become a complete disaster, and I wish I could just blame it on Kelly Bryant getting hurt, but unfortunately it's just not that simple. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm hoping for 50,000 people at this game. I really am. I mean, people are going to be depressed. That's just where we are in Columbia right now, unfortunately. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you mentioned the injury to, to Kelly Bryant because that, I mean, that, that he was even still playing and healthy when this losing streak started as they got to the top 25 and lost just inexcusably to, to, to Vanderbilt. And then it was the following week against Kentucky where he got hurt and has been out since then. Yep. What do you make of how the season turned for Mizzou? Like what went wrong against Vanderbilt? Because up until that point, they had really responded from that season opening loss and, 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 and reeled off five straight. Well, one thing I will point out that it was actually two injuries to Kelly Bryant because he got hit low. And I believe it was the Troy game. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was against Troy in the second half. And he was lying on the ground for a long time. Like we really thought, uh oh, this might be his season here. Fortunately, had the MRI, no structural damage. He had a pretty good knee strain, though. So there was that. But then. You know, looked okay in the Ole Miss game. I just don't think he's been the same player since that injury as well. Then you throw on top of that, in the Kentucky game, he injures his hamstring on a scramble while running out of bounds. So now he's dealing with two injuries, essentially. He's just not the same guy right now. And again, I wish I could blame it all on that. But, you know, frankly, Missouri's just not as good as we thought they were. I mean, that's the obvious explanation, but... You know, the offensive line, not as good as we thought. They're not running the balls effectively as we thought they would. The receivers, there's just never been a guy who's emerged as a reliable target. And frankly, Albert Okwebenam, they're a guy who a lot of people think is an NFL, high NFL draft pick at tight end. He just hasn't been able to pick up the slack. You know, there just there's been nobody reliably getting open, and we haven't been able to throw guys open either. When Kelly Bryant was playing his best, quite honestly, earlier in this season, when he, before he'd injured his knee or his hamstring, the best thing he was doing was buying time in the pocket, letting his receivers get open, and just extending the play. And ever since that Troy game, I just don't think we've seen that from Kelly as much. And honestly, I think Derek Dooley's got, a better, got to do a better job calling plays. I want to see some more imagination, especially on this first drive against Florida. I think you'll be able to tell if this is a game pretty early. If Missouri's offense is sputtering in the first quarter, looking like it's looked the past month or so, look for a big Florida victory. That's what I'm thinking. Definitely. Now, now let's start doing some somewhat of a matchup breakdown, looking at both sides of the ball. We've talked at length already about Kelly Bryant. Um, give me some more about the rest of this offense, some of the standout players that Florida is going to have to watch out for on Saturday, um, and just kind of what the M- Mizzou is working with on the offensive side of the ball outside of Kelly Bryant. Sure. Well, I already mentioned uh, Albert O, as we call him, because, well, Oku Ebunam, you know, that's a tough one for for a lot of us. But, yeah, so (laughs) Albert O is definitely a guy to watch out for. Again, hasn't been getting the amount of targets, the amount of volume that you might expect. But, honestly, just we need anybody else at receiver to show something, anything. Now, Cam Scott is a guy I've talked about on this show a lot. He's a he's a he's a fast guy, a big playmaking receiver, but really it can't be 
underestimated how bad he's been the last couple weeks, including the Kentucky game where really just frankly all of our receivers were having trouble catching the ball. But one thing that's totally different, you brought up how Drew Locke had been a problem for the Gators in previous years. Well, one thing about Drew Locke, if you give him time, he can throw an absolutely beautiful deep pass. He throws as good a deep ball as I've ever seen anybody do it for the Tigers. That's not really part of our game this year. We don't really throw the ball very often, more than 15 yards down the field, nor very effectively. So I would expect Florida to bring a lot of guys toward the line of scrimmage, try to keep Larry Roundtree, Tyler Beatty, our running backs, in check. And frankly, if Mizzou's going to break a big play in the passing game, it'll probably be a screen pass to Tyler Beatty. I mean, really, I would expect, you know how you guys have had trouble finding quarterbacks the last few years before Dan Mullen and between Tebow, basically? But you had great defenses, right? Well, then you know what to expect from Missouri tomorrow. Good defense, probably not a great offense, or in two days, I should say. Yeah, and and, and the Gators have have been really putting out good defense for the most part this year. Obviously, they had their letdowns against LSU in Georgia, but a shutout last week against Vanderbilt. That's three shutouts for Florida's defense this season. That's the first time that they've done that since 1988. So Todd Grantham's wow. got that unit. Yeah, Todd Grantham's got that unit playing really well. The one issue that they've had this season is is injuries. And um, he just hasn't had the guys healthy on the front seven, especially on the defensive line throughout the course of the year. And when he doesn't have his horses, uh, he can't really – run the defense that he likes to run and be as aggressive as he wants to as a coordinator. And and they lost Jonathan Grenard there for a few weeks, as well as Jabari Zuniga, their starting defensive ends. And and that did kind of cause the unit to have a little bit of a drop-off. And it certainly hurt them against LSU and against Georgia. Uh, the bad news for Missouri is that Grenard was back last week and, and, and looked to, to really be – I mean, he returned against Georgia but still wasn't 100%. Last week, he showed no signs of the of the injury that he had had earlier in the year and had that big scoop and score on the 80-yard touchdown uh, against Vanderbilt. But also, Jabari Zuniga is now expected back as well. He took the bye week off, was, was supposed to come back for Georgia, and he got in there and his, and his ankle sprain just wouldn't allow him to play the game. He kind of only got in there on third downs, and then he sat out last week against Vanderbilt. So if he's back... You know, Missouri's going to have to go up against Florida starting defensive ends, and those guys haven't been on the field much this season. I mean, Zuniga's only played in four games. So if if those guys are both on the edge, along with Florida's linebackers, they kind of had a freshman who has emerged here lately, uh, Mahmoud Diabate. He's out of the state of Alabama. He was, a, I think, a top 100 or a top 150 recruit last year, just a freshman. But Florida was able to get him out of the state of Alabama. And last last week, he was SEC Freshman of the Week. He got three sacks against Vanderbilt, and he only played 19 plays in the game. So uh, he's, he's really coming along, definitely a guy that Missouri's going to have to account for because he's really fast off the edge. Florida's pretty good with their, with their corners. They, they've been shuffling some guys around with Trey Dean and Marco Wilson in the nickel and the outside corner. The one area that they have been weak at this season is at safety. They just, uh, they've got, got guys that haven't been consistent enough with their performance. They've kind of switched the starters and try to use some different combinations. So with Kelly Bryant back, 
that is one area if they're trying to, to hit them in the passing game that I think that you could look for him to try and attack is wherever those safeties are because they usually are the weak the weakest link in Florida's defense. Um, but again, man, with, with with Grenard and Zuniga back, Todd Grantham's going to have kind of all his pieces to work with on Saturday. Well, speaking of safeties, I know an area where you're going to want to be extra safe, and that's below the belt. Well, Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Well, it's interesting you bring up uh, the safeties there and injuries on the Florida side. That reminded me of something. Probably one injury on the Missouri side at receiver Jonathan Johnson is somebody, a senior receiver. Keep an eye on his status. If he plays in the game, that'll definitely help Missouri. Uh, He's not going to be an NFL draft pick or anything, but just with the state of the receiver position at Missouri, he's a guy you'd want to see. And I also thought of it because he usually plays in the slot too. Fast guy. Maybe you can maybe run some type of slot fade, which Missouri hit in the Liberty Bowl to Johnson last year. Maybe get a matchup against one of those safeties. Hopefully we can actually block that up for long enough. Maybe that's something to look at going forward in the game. I don't know. But, hey, actually, Zach, uh, real quick uh, as we finish it out here, would you mind me if I asked you about the Florida Gator basketball team real quick? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk that. Yeah, actually, and one reason I, I'm curious about them, uh, I actually picked them to win the conference. I kind of thought Kentucky might be a little overrated with their lack of size. And, well, sure enough, they lost to Evansville. I'm right, everybody. No, it's a little premature. But seriously, though, uh, the Gators lost a frustrating game to Florida State. I know on Sunday they've got Towson tonight. How do you, how do you think, uh, how, how does Kerry Blackshear look so far and just the Gators in general? Yeah, well, Blackshear looks good. He's uh, he's kind of the presence that I think everybody was expecting him to bring, not just from a talent standpoint, but but just a veteran guy uh, within that group where there's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, and a lot of people that don't know what they're doing out there. Uh, so he's kind of stepped in and, and filled that role. The issue that they've had and at least have shown now in the first two games is that I think the chemistry is just not there on the court in terms of – how they play, how they try to run their offense, and most importantly, how they have to try to run it through Kerry Blackshear, which is what they need to do and what they did not do against Florida State. He was open on on several possessions, and they just kind of had guys freestyling out there and and trying to, as as Mike White said yesterday, play hero ball. And um, that's just not the way that they can have to play, especially when you have someone like Kerry Blackshear who can kind of facilitate for a lot of other guys and draw double teams. But he's been really impressive from what he from when he has gotten the ball. He's had two double doubles to start the game. And what was interesting is he had a double double uh, against FSU, but didn't make a basket. And I want to say if I, I don't know the exact stat, but. That has only happened like 11 times since 2004 or something like that, where you've had a player that got a double-double and didn't, didn't make a field goal. So they got to get more out of him. I just think that it's, 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 a work, it's going to be a work in progress when you have so many new roster additions. You're talking about nine new faces, nine. That's how many new guys that they added to this team from their freshman class and then adding Kerry uh, Blackshear as well as some other transfers. Uh, but I wouldn't maybe overreact too much yet to that Florida State loss because 
first of all, the Seminoles have had F, uh, Florida's number. They've now won six in a row. So it, it wasn't like this was, you know, a fluke. Um, Florida State has been able to beat the Gators now pretty consistently. And, and, and look, you know, they lost a lot of pieces as well. But Leonard Hamilton, he recruits, he develops guys, and he's always going to have a formidable team. Um, but I think it's just uh, the second part of that is you're talking about a team in November that's still trying to figure it out. And a lot of teams find themselves in that same boat. Look at Kentucky, you know, being number one in the country, suffering just an inexcusable loss to Evansville. So I think for Florida, they got to be able to, to, to regroup here. You obviously expect them to get the win against Towson, but they got to find some offense and get Kerry Blackshear going before that matchup against UConn. I would look to that game, John, to really see kind of where they're at and if they figured some things out to really have that run that everybody expected them to go on. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think maybe I took something for granted. I just kind of, not that Florida won't still be as good as I thought they were, but just early in the season, I think I just plugged Kerry Blackshear, who, by the way, is a senior graduate transfer from Virginia Tech. I just kind of plugged him into the team as a senior, kind of Swiss Army Knife style player who can do it all, basically, and just thought, oh, this will work. But I took for granted the fact that well, he's only been on campus for about seven months or something. So it's not like, you know, with Drew Smith, who is arguably Missouri's best player, certainly one of them, you know, he was a transfer too, but he was with the program for that entire transfer season, was able to practice with everybody, get used to everything. Yep. You know, like you say, let's not sound the alarm bells with Florida yet. Again, like you say, Leonard Hamilton seems to own Florida for the last few years. So I think they'll be fine. Just maybe factor in that it may take eh, a a little bit longer than maybe you might expect. Sort of like Kentucky. It takes them a little bit sometimes because they have new players every single year, right? Yeah. And and, and I think what would be concerning is if, is if Kerry Blackshear came into a situation where he was starting with, let's say uh, four other guys who were maybe mostly upperclassmen or let's just say only one freshman or sophomore in that in that other four that you know the issue that he's having is he's playing with freshmen and sophomores across the board um right and and so you know they're they're just kind of trying to fit those pieces in the puzzle together and you know it's going to be a challenge for mike white to to make it work but he's got the talent to work with and and you know that's that's a luxury that he hasn't had especially when you consider the bigs before we, we finish this thing up, John, you mentioned Barry Odom and, and, and kind of where things uh, are at now with his program. What is it going to take for Mizzou, in your mind, to get the upset on Saturday? I mean, what's the, the perfect scenario for them with Kelly Bryant back in the lineup for them to pull that off? And if they can't do it, what does he need to do in order to, to kind of salvage this season and, and keep his job at the end of the year? Well, I think I think it's really important – for Missouri on Saturday to get off to a good offensive start. And again, I'm, I'm going to challenge Derek Dooley. This is your time to show your worth. It's time to script a really good opening drive. I mean, I really mean that. Let's see some imaginative plays. Let's see some stuff that we haven't seen before because it really feels like Missouri's been running its spring game conservative offense for about a month now. And I'm just a little bit sick of that. And if we can get a good start offensively, get on the board early, not only get the crowd into it, honestly, we need to get our sideline into it because Missouri went from a team early in the season that 
despite losing, again, a stunning game to Wyoming, they looked like they were a team that was still all in together, you know, loving each other, loving playing football, the whole deal, to a team that is now, you know, getting inexplicable 15-yard penalties, just shoving guys, you know, shoving the quarterback three steps after he's thrown the ball. We just need to get back to whatever we were doing at the beginning of the season. Now, do I have any faith that that's going to happen whatsoever? Honestly, I don't. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just hard for me to see it after what I've seen the last few weeks here. It really is. And to your question about Barry Odom, what does he need to do? I think at the minimum he needs to beat Tennessee. I really do. I'm not expecting a win against Florida. I'm not really expecting a win against a somewhat improving Vols team at this point either, the way Mizzou's going. And honestly, the way Arkansas is going, a win against them, and you can't even assume that the way this team's played on the road, that just doesn't do a whole lot for me. And especially when, you know, I've been saying, I think Mizzou should really consider playing Connor Basilak, however you pronounce his last name. He's a true freshman. Missouri needs to see what it has at quarterback in the future. Otherwise, I'm not really sure what this team's going to look like next year. If there was more obvious hope like a pipeline of of talent especially the QB position if I saw light at the end of the tunnel as far as as far as this offense turning around I I would have more faith but I I don't know I I don't want to fire the guy right now it kind of sounds like I am aren't I but I I just I've really lost a lot of faith the last month or so here it's really been bizarre inexplicable and honestly something that's happened a lot in the Odom regime just kind of Things tend to snowball, let's put it that way. Definitely. Well, we'll see how it plays out Saturday. Obviously, the last time Florida made the trip to Mizzou, it was coming off Jim McElwain's firing, and it was just an absolute disaster. And, and, and uh, Florida couldn't get it done in Columbia. That place has just been a bugaboo for them. Uh, I think Will Greer is the only quarterback that's been able to go there and get a win with the Gators. So Yeah, and Missouri's um, terrible 2015 team, yep. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we'll see, man. It's going to be an early kick, really cold. I'm, I'm glad I'm not making the trip. Um, but nonetheless, man, it was it was great to uh, get some perspective and talk about this matchup with you. Well, it's going to be about a high of 50. That's not too bad in Missouri these days. That shows the changing of perspe- of the different perceptions, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think it could be worse for the Gators. I mean, it could. It, there's been times that they've gone up there to play and it's been a lot colder. Oh, it was snowing yesterday. It could be a lot worse, my friend, a wow. lot worse. <laughs> oh, man, I, man I, I've been walking around in flip-flops all week, so. <laughs> it still gets pretty hot here in Gainesville. Oh, I'm jealous. Well, hey, Zach, I want to thank you for joining me a lot, man. Let's uh, let's do it again in January when we uh, play in hoops. That sounds great, man. Always always good to, uh, to talk some SEC football and now let's you know, switch gears now to, to basketball. It's here finally. Great. Fantastic. Well, for Zach Abelverde, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.